This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book, this is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. Hello, I'm Midwife Pip and welcome to the Midwife Pip podcast, the home of honest expert chat. My mission is to provide you with the very best support and information through pregnancy, birth and beyond with my online courses over at midwifepip.com. And as a podcast listener, I'm also offering you an exclusive 15% off all my online courses using code PODCAST15. With no further ado, let's get chatting. This episode is one for the dads out there. Your little one arrives and life becomes beautifully crazy. Your partner is navigating pregnancy and birth recovery, establishing infant feeding, and paternity leave is typically much too short. But how can you optimize the time available to you and to support your partner whilst making memories and bonding with your little one in the postpartum? On this week's episode, I am joined by the awesome Adam Shaw, perhaps better known on Instagram as at underscore dads underscore table. And as a dad of two with the third baby on the way, Adam has definitely had some experience in this field and is joining me to share his postpartum support tips and tricks today. So welcome, Adam. And thank you so much for coming on. I think you're my first dad on the podcast, which is super exciting. I can't believe it's taken me this long. No, thank (laughs) you so much for coming on. Now, Adam, before we kick off, I need to pick your brains because I know you have also got a book that will be out by the time people can listen to this. So talk to me about what brought you to, I guess, being an author, which is super exciting um, and starting your Instagram page because it's got a really nice, unique feel to it. And I love it. So tell us more about it. Um, So so I'm the the founder of um, At Dad's Table um, and um, I'm a a trained chef. um, And when I finished chef school, um, that was exactly at the same time as my wife um, became pregnant for the first time. Um, And you come out of chef school full of really loads of fun ideas about what you're going to make and all these tricks and stuff that you've learned. And then my wife was pregnant. So I was like, right, what's all the fun things I can make to make her feel good? Look at the official guidance and like, our jaws just dropped because everything was just negative. It was, don't do this, don't do this, don't eat shark. I live in Kent, there's not much shark around here. (laughs) And there was nothing about what you can eat to make you feel good. Um, And it felt almost as if overnight we'd gone from, you know, an adventurous foodie couple who have meal kits and go out to different cuisines and everything to suddenly being told, you can't do all of this, eat some greens. So I thought, (laughs) That, that's not right. You know, at, at this vulnerable time, 
when my wife's just become pregnant, we should be focusing on food that can make her feel good. Um, so I started creating kind of trimester specific recipes to make her feel good. Um, and it kind of all snowballed from there. And then since I've had kids, um, that kind of food positivity mentality is extended into weaning uh, and family food as well. Oh, Adam, I love that. That is so powerful. And that's <laughs> often one of my frustrations as well with pregnancy when it comes to things like food and all sorts. You know, it's it's the same for exercise and you know, anything you could possibly think of. Yeah. It is all very, don't do this, don't do that. That's not safe. You can't have that. And you kind of think like, well, where's the joy gone in life? And yeah. Food is such a joyous part of our life, isn't it? Exactly. So, I mean, you are husband goals. So, so good, good work to you. Really not going. sure my wife would say that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll have to get her on next season and pick her <laughs> brains on, on that. But that is, yeah, I, I mean, absolutely love your ethos. And, and I think especially food is such a massive and important part of family life, isn't it? So getting the kids involved, you know, exploring that through not just pregnancy, but also weaning is yeah. surely going to just set them up for such a positive journey through life and having a really healthy relationship with food as well, which I think is important in today's age. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, with, with my, my, my first is he's not a confident eater. Other people would say fussy eater, but I, I hate the term fussy eater mm. because I think it's negative. Um, and I think that just as in pregnancy, you shouldn't be putting negative emotions onto someone that's, that's so small. So I prefer to say he's, a conf- he's not a confident eater, but my youngest is very, very confident. And I think that from day one, he's been in the kitchen with me. Because obviously when you have two, you know, it's a bit busier and everything. So I don't know if that's because, you know, he's been around food since day one. Yeah, interesting. Because they do say the more you get children involved with food, like the better. <laughs> so so I love that's Yeah, that's really interesting. I've started, um, we're, we're approaching the weaning stage. We're not quite there. But um, our little boy, Finley, is definitely showing some interest in food now. Um, and just because my husband works late, <coughs> practically, when I'm making dinner in the evening, I just bring his high chair and he just kind of sits next to me. And then he sits at Absolutely. the table in his high chair. And I just think, to start with, that was purely practical. because so I was like, I need somewhere to put the baby while I'm making yeah. dinner. Um, and he's too big to hold now or put in a, in a Moses basket. But actually, I'm hoping that, like you said, that might help him um, further on down the line. So that's good to hear. Yeah, I'm sorry, I've got a really bad um, tickly throat at the moment, so excuse oh, my cough. Um, yeah, I, I mean, for for babies and, and little children, you know, eating is it's another sensory experience. It's not they're not thinking, let's sit down and eat. I'm hungry. I really feel like some spaghetti bolognese. Um, it's just so the more you can involve them, the more you know. My my youngest Benji, I'll put him on the counter next to me, and I'll just give him an onion to peel, and that will occupy him for ten minutes because he's just you know playing with it. And that means he's got the taste, the smell of onion on his fingers. And he puts his fingers in his mouth and, and he, he either likes it or he doesn't like it, but it doesn't really matter because it's just understanding. It's just being around these different things. Um, and then my, my four-year-old can now understand, you know, I'm chopping up this food to put into this dish and then I'm going to eat it. And because he's involved in that journey, that makes mealtimes that much more straightforward with him. Yeah, oh, such such good tips. Okay, we definitely need to unpick this more. Adam. I feel like I'm. I feel like I could talk to you all morning about food and and parenting and children because it's so so fascinating and important. Yeah. But let's, I guess, go backwards a couple of steps. Um, paternity leave, really, really hard one, isn't it? And I'm very much a strong believer in that the standard kind of two weeks that most dads are given is just rubbish. Like it's just yeah. not enough, is it? Let's be yeah. honest. The first week, you're basically like 
what on earth has just happened? You know, mum's recovering. You're both getting no sleep. You might have spent, you know, three, four nights of that in hospital. So yeah. You haven't even got home. Um, and then before you know it, you're like, oh, gosh, I'm, I'm back to work. How can we try and maximize or make the most of that time? Because it just flies by. It really does. Um, so with my first, I mean, my, my wife's labor for, for number one, it lasted three days. And oh, um, I mean, luckily, but it was from a Friday to Sunday. So I didn't lose any paternity leave. But mm. I was thinking, you know, this is a quarter of my leave gone yeah. before baby's even here. Yeah. So, um, but because it was pre-COVID, then having potentially having two weeks at home at that point before COVID was amazing. You know, it was like a holiday at home. It's a bit different now. Um, but we just we just had this amazing time where it was, you know, just the three of us creating this little cocoon. Um, if anyone came to see us, you know, we limited it, you know, half an hour, hour max. Um, we live in a really nice place where you can just walk out to loads of, you know, coffee and cake places. So we felt confident to go out and, and be with baby but we didn't really have to worry about you know getting into a car and all of that kind of stuff so we could just walk everywhere it was really nice weather um so in terms of kind of um, making the most of it I, I look back on that time and again my wife my, my, might feel a bit different but we were on such this adrenaline high that it was just this beautiful period luckily we didn't have any problems with colic or tongue tie or anything mm-hmm. um with my youngest we did so that paternity leave was a bit trickier um, and I began to realize that kind of the most important things that you can do is um, let your wife focus, sorry, or partner, I shouldn't say wife, let your partner focus on her main job, which is feeding baby. So that is a massive job. It's like yeah, a it's, massive full-time job. <laughs> and it's 24 hours a day, right? Yeah. I so, say that as Finley's currently feeding still. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, so in that time, what, what I hadn't realized is that the the partner then takes on the role of literally everything else in the house, mm. but you have half the amount of time to do it because normally there's two of you, you know, cleaning up or making food or whatever. Um, so I think it's all about being quite organized. Um, I'm such a fan of doing, you know, food wise as much batch cooking, all of that kind of stuff. So preparation is so important. So um, you're, your fourth trimester self will thank the third trimester you for getting as much done as you can when it's just the two of you, you know, so fill the fridge with food or if you don't want to cook yourself, get loads of, you know, you know, homemade meals or, or whatever, um, you know, make sure the house is clean, you know, make sure you've got all the kit. Don't leave it until baby's here to do it because you will not understand how much there is to do. Right. Um, Absolutely. So I think that's key. Um, and then um, making sure that the mum has a break um, and whatever constitutes a break for her. So one thing I, I love doing in, in early days is, you know, there's not much that we can do as dads, but we, we make great pillows. Right. So babies love to sleep on us. Um, and it's 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 great for bonding. You know, if you're home, you can do skin on skin. Um, or if not, just strap baby up and go for a walk. So um, once you've kind of figured out, you know, a little bit of a routine of when baby's awake, when baby's sleeping, um, we'd literally, you know, get them off the boob, put them onto me, strap them up. I'll go for a walk. If you feel comfortable, you know, go to a coffee shop or sit down and have, you know, have some food. If not, just walk and, and have the feeling of baby on you. And even if it's just 90 minutes, two hours or whatever, mum gets a break, whether it's 
having a shower, whether it's having to lie down, it's whatever. Um, and I think little by little, you get more confident. So first time round, you know, I was terrified, I had this backpack with me of all these changing clothes and nappies. And I was only going like a 10 minute circle, you know, you're, you're terrified. Second time, you're like, oh, it's fine. I'll go to a coffee shop, sit down, maybe sitting on you. Um, so there's that. And, and then um, with, with my wife, she, um, when she was breastfeeding, we had this kind of window from eight o'clock in the evening until, you know, midnight, one o'clock in the, mean, in, the, in the evening when baby was sleeping. So it was literally prime time for her just to get some kip herself. Um, so again, I'd, I'd have baby, but I really loved it because all I would do is catch up on loads of box sets. You know? <laughs> does she know that, Adam? <laughs> no, she, she does. But, it, but it, it's all it's all the um, SHIT that she wouldn't want to watch. So it's yeah. fine. So it's yeah. like, hey, I'll, I'll watch all of this. Um, and then we do this kind of handover at one o'clock in the morning. You know, I'd make her a little snack and then she'd take baby um, and, and do the hard shift because um, she was breastfeeding. I, I've never really done kind of the bottle feeding. So I've never done those kind of shifts. Um, but then, uh, sorry, back to your question about preparation. I think as well, if, if you have um, other kids, and that's something we're, we're starting to do now because um, our, our third is due. Um, she's, my wife's just entered her third trimester. Um, so my eldest will always come for cuddles in the middle of the night. Um my wife is subtly trying to get him to come to me instead of her, you know, come around to my side of the bed. Um, you know, we're about to get bunk beds for the boys. You know, we're doing all of this kind of stuff as early as possible. So it's, it's not kind of right. baby's home. That's not your room. You know, you can't come and do this anymore. So preparation, whether you have one, whether you have none is just absolutely key. I find. hundred percent. I love, I love what you mentioned there actually. And that, that time sorry you can probably hear some little baby Finley noises he's like you're talking about talking about babies I'm one of them I'd like to be involved in this conversation um so yeah I love what you said about the the time that you just had with your baby and I think that's really precious and especially you know I sometimes feel not not sorry for dads but it's a difficult I think a difficult situation when a mum is exclusively breastfeeding because dads can't do that feeding bonding and yeah. often I hear mums all the time Adam say I'm gonna um I'm gonna combi feed or I'm gonna a bottle feed because I don't want my partner to feel left out or not be able to bond with the baby so I think it's really important to think actually we know there's so many benefits to to breastfeeding and I'm not saying there's one right or wrong way at all but actually there's so many other ways that dads can absolutely bond with baby it doesn't have to yeah. just be through feeding um, and skin to skin is just beautiful isn't it like even now I, I try and just do um Finley's first feed in the morning I get him out of his pajamas and we we can just have some skin to skin in yeah. bed with him and there's just something so so lovely and precious about that and and I think it's important that dads do embrace that as well. And I know we encourage it in hospital now, you know, if mum has skin to skin or if she's sort of had enough or we need to sort of do something, then dads have skin to skin. And, yeah. and even I always, always see that kind of slightly awkward tinge to dads. I'm like, oh, do I want to do that? Do I want to do that? And then when the baby's <laughs> yes. on them, they're like, oh, this is yeah. lovely. And my husband was the same. He was like, you know, and, and I think perhaps for him, he knew that he was doing, going to be getting his top off, I guess, kind of in front of my friends, friends at work. So he was like, oh, I don't want to do that. I'm not sure. When the time, time cut came, like he just couldn't get Finley off of him. Yeah. There was so much yeah. skin to skin. It just, that overwhelming love takes over, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I guess it's your only question about paternity leave. So that, that was one of the wonderful things about paternity leave, that I could just go off in the morning and bond with baby. Mm. It's, it's when you, one of you goes back to work. Maybe it's different now because we're not all going to be in offices as much, but that was when I found it quite hard because you you then kind of take on a role of 
just like a support worker. And, and, and I hate the phrase living for the weekends, but that's kind of what it is mm. because you just, you know, you come home and as I said, this eight o'clock time of my baby going to sleep and my wife needing to go to sleep, if you're not home till seven, you've got an hour to get everything done because you don't want kind of that. If that's the only chunk of sleep your wife's going to get that night, you want her to have it. Mm. So it just it became kind of this real stress um, kind of, kind of for a couple of months, but I guess now that you're through the other side, you know that you're going to get more bonding time with your baby. It's going to happen. So if you, if that's kind of what the role needs to be for a couple of months, that's just kind of how it is really. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really nice point. And I love the fact that you said, um, just going back a couple of moments um, about you kind of take over everything else. So in terms of, you know, housework, et cetera, and for some, for some dad, and I don't want to stereotype here. Um, I'm very fortunate that my husband is very hands-on with, with housework and things, but for some dads, it may genuinely be the first time that they've been in charge of, you know, sorting out the food shop or, or hoovering or, you know, cleaning the bathrooms and things like that. And so actually, like you said, that third trimester is a really good time to start kind of practicing. So yeah. it's not, not new skills for you, as well as the new skill of becoming a dad, actually supporting the household in that practical way um, is a really great time to practice. <laughs> We're just taking a quick pause from this episode so that I can share with you a brand that I know you're going to love as much as I do. My little Finley is growing up fast and is almost on the move, which means it's now time to start making our home safe for him. Did you know that every single week, at least one child under five years of age dies in an accident, 75% of which happen in their own home? I think this is terrifying. And this is why the team at Cheeky Rascals offer a variety of products that not only help make parents' lives easier, but are also the safest on the market, including brands like Love to Dream, Rocket, and the Fred Baby Proofing Safety Range, which has everything you need to keep your little ones safe and your mind at ease. I want to support you to make your home safer for your little one and prevent them coming to any harm. So Cheeky Rascals are sponsoring this podcast and offering you 15% off Fred safety products using the code midwifepip15. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just, I mean, I, I always remember I went, um, we'd literally just got home from the hospital first time around and, um, my wife needed some, you know, pads. Let's say sort of graphic. She needed some pads. Um, so I went to Sainsbury's and bought some. Um, as long along with the, the weekly food shop, you know, I was looking at different types or whatever. And and as um as I was paying for them, I was just kind of looking at both of them. And I always remember the cashier just looked at me and she said, Is it your first time doing a food shop? I was like, no, I'm a trained chef. I've just been awake for three days as my wife is using a baby. And and so there's there's so much kind of, oh, dads are useless. Dads can't do this. And it is so irritating because, you know, you're not showing off. You're not doing this. You just you just want to bond with your baby. But you feel sometimes that you're not meant to or that there's, there's this kind of you shouldn't be doing this. So it, it can be stay at home dads. I take my hat off because not only is it hard work being a stay at home parent, but you have to come over this kind of antagonism sometimes as well um and and you don't get as many you know friendly groups or anything it's it's really hard 
Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really, really good point, actually. And it reminds me when we um, we took Finley to a little like baby sensory class when he was about three weeks old. And my husband was on paternity leave at that time because we delayed his. Um, so we went together. Um, and typically it was like you say, it was all mums. I think the first time we went, he was the only dad. Yeah. Um, and I kind of felt for him in a way because I think as mums, it's very socially acceptable I suppose or or sort of we're sort of used to us kind of you know cooing and singing and pretending to be a dog and making silly sounds um and thankfully you know my husband was you know get stuck in doesn't doesn't care but the next week we went there was a couple more dads there and they were sat very awkwardly behind their partners while they did all like the singing and playing and I thought you know what a shame because I think that is the social stigma, isn't it? And that is the kind yeah. of expectation that perhaps maybe you can't do that because you're a dad. I think it's, it's either it's either your own upbringing or a social stigma. I think I've felt a few times with my kids that as, as a dad, you very much have to get off the couch, get on the floor and play with them. You know, it's a conscious decision to engage and it's a conscious decision to be the kind of dad you want to be. So, you know, my dad was very, very hands off. You know, I... I, I see that now having my own kids, you know, what that must have been like. But I distinctly remember, you know, if your kid wants to play, if your kid wants to do something, you know, get off your ass and, and, and do it because that's what they're going to remember. Yeah. And screw what everyone else thinks. Right. You know, you do <laughs> you do you. So whatever, whatever feels great for you and your family, whether that's you dancing around the living room, you know, going to ballet classes or, yeah. you know, whatever that is. Who cares? You know, you're, yeah. you're just being a being a great parent. Exactly. So hopefully that's put some dads at ease and Adam in that they can sing and dance at sensory. They can do yeah. the food shop. They can go and buy maternity pads. That being said, going and buying maternity pads, even as a woman who had to use them, is a minefield. There's so many different <laughs> types. So yeah. that's off for you for getting the right ones on that, think, to be honest. I think I probably bought about seven. That's probably why she was laughing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there is so much choice. It's a nightmare. Um, so yeah, good, good again to get a, maybe a picture to take with you so you know what ones you're getting. Yeah. <laughs> Now, talk to me. I can imagine, Adam, third trimester, and you said your wife's just approaching it now. What did your freezer look like? I can imagine it was impressively prepared and stocked. It's, it's um, I'm just thinking about I need to start doing the same thing again. Um, yeah, so it was, um, I, I'm a big fan that, you know, with, with not much effort, you can very easily make a month's worth of midweek meals and just put them in your freezer. Um, you know, you, it's not just, you know, you, you think of batch cooking, you think of spackball, you think of casseroles, you think of chili con carne. Yes, that's great. But you can freeze pr- pretty much everything, you know, stir fries, soups. Um, I love yeah, making my own pesto, freezing it in little ice cube trays. So you can just boil up some pasta and stir that round and you've got a nutritious meal. Um, so I think just that, that bit of pre-planning and, and whenever you make something, just make that extra, you know, portion and put it in the freezer. Um, because the, the you that only has between seven o'clock and eight o'clock to get everything done, it's so important. Um, and, and it's just vital. And you just don't want, when you've got your tiny baby, when you have got that special time, you want to be cuddling them and, you know, yeah. kissing them. You don't want to be making a meal that's going to take you 40 minutes in the kitchen. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I think as well, you know, that there's, you know, there's so many like delivered foods you can get as well. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But if you have that all the time, it's going to affect you when you're already sleep deprived anyway. It's going to hurt your wallet. Um, so it's just really, really easy just to get a load of stuff made. You know, kind of admit that for, for three months, you're going to be having quite 
carb heavy, maybe not amazing food, but just it's fuel. I think that that's when it really is fuel. And when you've just had a baby, carbs are what you want, right? Yeah, I was all exactly. for carbs. My mum, very kindly, she doesn't live near, so none of our family lives very near, but they obviously came up to meet Finley the week he was born. And my mum came with her arms full of chicken pie for the freezer. <laughs> and oh my gosh, that chicken pie. Even now I'm like, whenever you come, just bring me chicken pie yeah. because it was just the best thing. Yeah. Um, and that's what you want, don't you? You want comfort food. You want quick and easy things. Um, and I always say to parents, you know, when people want to come and visit the baby, of course you want to show your baby off and it's lovely to, to invite them in, but make sure they bring food with them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? something. Yeah, put it in the freezer. And um, and then I guess as, as I was thinking about um, going back to work, it kind of really dawned on me that I was getting up and, and leaving at seven o'clock in the morning and I wasn't home till seven in the evening. So that's in theory, three meals that my wife was having to make for herself during the day with a baby. And, and both of our kids, I don't know if it's, you know, something we did wrong or whatever, but we just couldn't put our kids down ever. Never that's put just them down. normal. That's just, that's just yeah. having a baby, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so they either strapped up on us or you're rocking them or whatever. And I'd hear like horror stories of friends who said like, you know, for lunch, I just put my fingers in a jar of Nutella because that's all I could do. And, and, if you want to do that fine but if not um you know i was just starting to think about how can you pre-make some stuff so that when you are out of the house she had she's eating good food um wraps become your friend um get loads of wraps um make make some scrambled eggs put them in a wrap before you go out to work and then your wife has you know scrambled egg breakfast already to eat but she can Um, eat with one hand exactly one-handed food right like a fancy salad is no good when you've got a baby like on the boob or in one one arm you need one-handed food um and and so we'd kind of take an hour every sunday evening and just kind of batch cook stuff for the the week um you know just just simple things like a load of baby bell boil some eggs um cook some chicken breast stir some pasta uh, pesto through pasta grill some vegetables um make some hummus chop up some carrots so just and put it all in Tupperware, put it in the fridge. So when you are opening it at 11 o'clock, inevitably when you want lunch, you can just have this kind of pick and mix lunch and it's yeah. all done. Oh, and that, that is a brilliant idea. Because one of the things that shocked me, even as a midwife in the postpartum, Adam, was how starving I was. Like in pregnancy, my appetite maybe increased a little bit towards the end, but oh my gosh. And whether it was because I was breastfeeding and I've got a big boy or you're recovering from birth and you're sleep deprived, I think that combination yeah. was absolutely ravenous. And I was eating daytime and nighttime, like constantly, yeah. constantly needing to eat. So having little things that you can snack on is game changing yeah. because I fell into the trap in the first few weeks when I didn't realize quite how hungry I'd be. I would have, you know, breakfast, lunch and dinner, but then I'd be so hungry in between that I would just be on the chocolate hobnobs like no yeah. tomorrow. Like- <laughs> um, but, but that's also the thing, right? If, if you're if you're eating well as well, then you feel good about having the hobnobs. So, you yeah. know, I, I talk about this kind of 1 a.m. changeover we would do. So the, the, the only way that my wife would happily wake up at one o'clock in the morning to feed her child was when she had a plate of hobnobs, a baby bell and some hot chocolate. Yeah, and it's I kind of it. a little bit of a treat, right, to, to get you into that feed. Um, 100%. I can yeah. totally appreciate your wife, wife's feeling there. I've got a, um, I used to feed Finley in the, in the nursery because I needed that like disconnection from the bed to sort of feel awake. And I've got a nursing chair that's got pockets down the side. I mean, the best invention ever <laughs> for stashing the snacks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I love that. So we've, we've kind of talked quite a bit, Adam, about some of your awesome, like practical tips to supporting mum and yourself in the postpartum, because we shouldn't forget that actually it's a massive transition for dads as well. What about the psychological support? How can we, how can sort of 
dad support mum and also look after their own psychological well-being I think I think when, when we talk about mum's mental health um being the gatekeeper is incredibly important you know you, it's often talked about you know the dad is the security guard outside not letting people come in who potentially might be negative or if you're worried about x is coming over we've got to clean the house that's not the person that should be coming over in the next few weeks if x is coming over and they're bringing a cake brilliant invite them in yeah they can so, come twice yeah <laughs> so having that kind of um re- response to people that want to come um and then just being incredibly incredibly calm knowing you know when the milk comes in there's going to be this crash being prepared for that and and being that kind of stable rock that knows okay this is what's happening at the moment and this will pass um and and I think just doing as much as you can to, you know, give your wife that whatever she wants, that that kind of two, three hours a day where it's just her time. If she wants to go for a walk and listen to a podcast, you know, my wife loved getting in the garden and just doing some gardening or, you know, um, not not obviously too early, but going for a swim or something a bit later. Um, making sure she has that time. And if I'm brutally honest, I think dad's mental health does take a bit of a backseat. Um so I, I'm not sure I could say this is what you need to do to look after your mental health because you are kind of in the trenches. I think it's when you do come out of that trench, it's making sure that you have that relationship with your wife where you can talk about it, um, but also that you can switch off, that you can, you know, do do something different that, you know, as much as your wife might have, you know, nights out, maybe schedule one for yourself as well. Um, just know that you need to then come home and, you know, still do the one o'clock um, hot chocolate run. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think actually talking is like 90% of the battle, isn't it? And I yeah. think being prepared. So I obviously an antenatal educator, educator and a midwife, and I'm really, really pro. And I'm sure you probably experienced this yourself, Adam, as a real sort of hands-on involved dad. But I'm like, antenatal education needs to be for both of you. Because if it's not, then you don't know that the, that sort of baby blues, you know, when your milk comes in, is normal. And I yeah. remember sitting in, sitting in my um, nursing chair, just crying. And my husband was like, is this that milk coming in? and I was like yeah this is it it will pass and it did you know two hours later absolutely fine but if you didn't know that that's terrifying isn't it actually that's really really worrying so that having that knowledge and and talking to each other communicating so important but so easily lost when you're like whirlwind adrenaline super tired yeah especially if you've had a traumatic birth or especially if you know you're just coming home from the hospital so you know again I guess preparation is everything because um with, with our first, you know, as I said, it was a three day labor and it wasn't great. And we were home for about half of that time. Mm. So just before we left, you know, I looked around and the house was a tip and it was full of stuff that you're not going to want to see in a few days time when you come back home with the baby. So if you can just you know, take a few minutes, just, you know, it doesn't matter if you chuck it all in a bin or chuck it in a different sink, just get that out of the way. Just, just so that it is kind of a new beginning when you come home with a new baby um, and you're just you're playing that role of, of caregiver, f- feeding the feeder, I like to say. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of the main role for those few weeks. Yeah, definitely. I remember it reminds me, Adam, when um, my, my waters broke before I went into labor with Finley and my husband was at work and I just phoned him and said, look, my water's broken, but I'm not I'm not contracting or anything. So just, you know, finish a day at work, whatever. And he was like, okay, he was going to do the food shop on the way home. And he said, if I yeah. got time to do the food shop, I was like, please do do the food shop. Like the last thing I want is no food in the house when we yeah. go home with the baby. So anyway, with that, he must have, 
I mean, he must have flown home via Tesco, grabbed some essentials and then was doing the washing up. I had an exercise bike in the living room at the time. So we picked that up, whizzed that into the garage. It was like a whirlwind. I was like, I should have told you this weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> Get that house signing. But you're right. It's like when we go away on holiday, isn't it? You don't want to come home to a messy house. So you make exactly. sure it's all nice. Yeah. It's exactly the same with the baby, but you come home with less time. So it's even more valuable. And, and pop some chocolate cake and a bottle of champagne in the fridge for when you come home. Oh, that is a good yeah. tip. Yeah. So it's nice and cool. Yeah. You only have a sip of it, but it doesn't matter. It's still there. And, and we have a little, I mean, touch wood, everything goes well. But we have a little um, tradition of getting a takeaway pizza the first night we come home. And it was yeah. lovely because when we brought our second child home, my eldest had the pizza with us. Oh. And it was a nice little tradition. And I'm hoping touch wood, that'll happen the next time. That's really nice. And that's those kind of little family memories, isn't it? We had a, we got yeah. an Indian takeaway on, on the way home. So maybe we'll have to do that, that was, when we have future that. children. Always make sure. Because yeah. you are starving. I think we forget that birth is like an ultra marathon. And you yeah. don't often eat when you're in the throes of labor. You know, you might have like some jelly babies or a little snack, but you quite often end up essentially missing a whole day's worth of calories and your body's worked really hard. So the takeaways and that extra yeah. kind of stodgy, sort of getting some energy in is super, super important. I'm just trying to stop Finley strangling himself with my um, <laughs> headphone cables. This is only going to get more fun as he gets bigger, isn't it? Um, <laughs> now, Adam, talk to me about food a little bit. So what would be your kind of, let's go with three dishes that you'd say, right, third trimester, let's start preparing. These are what I'm going to cook up and have ready to go. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, um... Third trimester, on the spot there, sorry. Third trimester, um... <laughs> Because baby is growing a lot, your stomach is shrinking as well, right? Mm -hmm. So you're hungry, you need more energy, but you can't eat as much because there's less room. So you want to be focusing on um, slow release foods, you know, lots of lentil, lots of beans, lots of whole grain. Um, you know, something like a lovely dal would go really well because you have it quite a small portion, but you can get lots of it in. Um, if, if you're ever making a pasta dish, just add a can of lentils to it. Um, so kind of the, the big hearty stuff, if you have it in smaller portions, just pack for those portions full of nutrients. Um, so, you know, peas, lentils, beans, anything that you can stir in, um, swapping your, your starchy white pasta for whole grain, anything like that. Um, I think um, keep it quite bland as well. Um, I don't know what came over me, but when we were home for the first pregnancy and my wife was like, right, she, she was okay, but she was like, I think we need to leave in about an hour. I was hungry and I decided to make myself a tuna and cheese sandwich. I have no idea why, but she was literally like, this makes me sick. This smell. <laughs> You've never made a tuna and cheese sandwich in your life since we've been together. Why are you making one now? Um, so, you know, keep it quite bland. Um, and um, making loads of dips. Um, that that's really good you know make your own hummus make your own baba ganoush make your own um whiz up lots of cannellini beans and stir some um parsley through it um and if you're doesn't matter if you're dipping in vegetables or you know really lovely crackers just that kind of stuff so there's always something around that you can just you know that little fix to keep you going i think that's really important 
That's a really great tip. And Adam, with these sorts of little recipes, are these going to be in your book that's coming out? Yes, yes. Um, so um, it's called How to Grow Your Family. Oh, what a um, great title. I love thank that. Thank you. Um, so it, it's divided into six and it's the first half focuses on each trimester um, and about the changing um, needs that your body has in the, in the tri- uh, three trimesters. Fourth trimester, parenthood, fog. Um, and then it also covers weaning and family food. So the aim is it kind of takes you the, the, these kind of two years where you're, it, it's really fun, but it's exhausting. And you kind of got a companion throughout that, that whole time. That's like the, bi- like the motherhood and pregnancy Bible that everybody. I, I want it to be, I, you know, the, the kind of the feeling of achievement you get when you buy the, you know, the wonder weeks or the whole, you know, pregnancy guide. You're like, I'm pregnant. I can, I can get this book now. Yeah. I kind of want that to be next to it as well. So that's kind of the food that you should be eating during it. And I don't think, I mean, thankfully, I think in pregnancy, certainly women that I speak to, they really start to focus on nutrition for perhaps, for some women, the first time in their life, they really start to hone in on what they're actually putting in their body. But I don't think we think of it in terms of specific trimesters and the changes that are happening. So that is, and I absolutely love that approach, Adam. That's absolutely awesome. And actually that like in the first trimester, you feel really rubbish. So what you want compared to the second or third is going to differ. Yeah, exactly. And especially, I mean, if, if you're having your vitamins, you can pretty much eat, you know, whatever you need. You're going to, your body is going to be getting those requirements. I, I always remember in the first trimester, my, I was working in London and my wife was home during the day and she went out to a pizza restaurant and ordered a garlic bread and a pizza. So effectively, she had two pizzas for lunch. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. But she came She's my home. kind of girl. <laughs> well, she then came home in floods of tears saying, all I do is eat carbs. I haven't had any vegetables. You know, my baby's going to grow up to be stupid. And, and, oh, and it, like this, this isn't right. You know, this, the advice that you need to be eating greens, when if you feel like absolute rubbish in those first 12 weeks, you've got to do what your body tells you to do. You know, there's no point forcing greens in and then throwing it up two hours later. What's the point? Oh my gosh, that's hilarious, Adam. I remember in my first trimester, I mean, I grew Finley on chicken nuggets. Like <laughs> literally we ate, we ate chicken nuggets for 10 weeks. But um, I remember literally opening my fridge and everything green, I just threw out because I couldn't yeah. even look at it. And I love my veggies, like really pro-nutrition, but I was literally like, just give me more chicken nuggets for breakfast, yeah. lunch and dinner and we'll roll with that. Um, so that's really important, taking that, taking that pressure off and keeping it real, I think, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, so in the book, I, I, I give lots of, you know, beige food, carb heavy recipes. But if you are feeling good and you do want to get some greens in, then, you know, you can, as I said, stir some pesto in or hide some vegetables here or there. So there's, there's little tweaks you can do. Yeah, definitely. And it's those, those small changes that do add up, don't they? Now, yeah. Adam, everyone that comes on the podcast, I asked for three top tips and I was like, what top tips could I ask, ask you? Because there are so many that you could give us. Um, but let's take it back to support. And I wonder if you could give us your three top tips to supporting a new mum in the immediate postnatal period. Um, three top tips. Um, the first one I think is preparation. So as we've talked about doing as much as you can in the third trimester, um, before baby comes, um, second is, um, ensuring that she has a couple of hours each day to focus on herself, whatever it is that that she needs. And then third, I guess, linked to that, that you make sure you get up off the couch and, and have that time with your child for those two, three hours. Even if it is just walking to the shops and back with a sleeping baby on your chest, because it will help develop bonding. Oh, I love that. Uh, yeah, so, so important. Adam, thank you so much. And Adam's Instagram page and book will both be linked in the episode description because it sounds like we can get a lot of, is it foods, 
in food spo is that like the buzzword um, yeah. <laughs> from, your, from your content so big big thank you adam and best of luck with the arrival of your third little one very soon yeah thank you it's the third boy so we'll see how that goes <laughs> <laughs> your poor wife she is going to need more than that two hours yeah. Yeah. <laughs> take care adam thank you so much thank for coming to chat and that's it for another episode i hope you enjoyed listening Remember, you can use your exclusive discount code PODCAST15 on all my online courses. And why not check out my free mini course while you're there too? If you enjoyed listening to this episode, remember to hit subscribe so you're the first to hear about all the upcoming chats too. And I'd be immensely grateful if you could take a couple of minutes to leave me a quick podcast review too. I look forward to speaking to you again very soon. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revelhorwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.